Good morning. Good morning. Get rid of this mask so you hear me. Oh, it's good to see everybody here this morning. It's, uh, the rain has stopped, and we're happy for that. Flowers are blooming. Trees are some are blooming. Some are leafing out. The sun's are singing and the birds are shining. Something like that. He, I think you need to get that. I think you need to get your prescription changed, Mitch. It was. Okay, a little mist and rain. We can, can't argue with that. They did. Okay. So yeah, we never, never like to see that happen. Well, not much in the way of announcements this week. Just left over from last week. Uh, there won't be a, an old settlers' tent meeting this year uh, because of some of the problems created by the, the COVID virus. And uh, there is going to be a musical pro. Is this the uh, old car show that goes along with the uh, music, Leroy? I haven't got in touch with nobody. Yeah, well. But there will be music on the outdoor stage at Leroy's on the 8th of uh, May at 1 o'clock and runs till people get sick of listening to us. Do we have any birthdays this week? None. Anniversaries? None. Well, let's glorify the Lord then. Let's stand and sing. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the great I Am. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before His throne. We will worship Him in righteousness. We will worship Him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord above the universe. All praise to Him we give. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to Take time to be holy. Amen. <laughs> Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Abide in him. Blessing to seek. 
Take us to the Lord in prayer, please. Our Father and God, we are so grateful for all the blessings that you've bestowed upon us, Lord. You are God Almighty, the creator of everything and the sustainer of everything. Lord, your word is clear. Without you, we are nothing. In fact, without you, Lord, we would not be. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have given us this precious life. Thank you for all, Lord, the the times that we have to share together, to worship together, to come into your presence. Lord, I ask you to fill this place with your presence today. Touch hearts change lives for your glory in Jesus' name. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 248, Blessed Redeemer. (laughs) 
in Jeffersonville. I know it. Please don't. Um, I don't know how many of y'all have seen the roundabouts. Two roundabouts. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? I go through it about four times a day. uh, And if you know where you're going, it's not an issue. If you don't know where you're going, it's a big issue. 
We can't drive very far before seeing a road sign that gives us a warning or directions. Yield, one way, stop ahead. These are all signs that are intended to help us arrive at our destination safely. Although four-way stop signs are designed to direct traffic and help us avoid collisions, they may also offer a spiritual picture as we gather to share in the Lord's Supper. Four-way stop signs direct us to look in all directions at an intersection. And the Bible offers similar instructions at the table. We are directed to look inward. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Looking inward at our spiritual condition opens our eyes to see our need for his grace. We are also instructed to look outward. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. We are appointed to see the body of Christ and remember the needs and testimonies of those near us. We are told to look forward to Christ's return. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom, said Matthew. Sharing in the Lord's Supper reminds us the day is coming when we will join in the wedding feast of the Lamb and Jesus himself will be present. Perhaps more, the most important, we're told to look backward. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The emblems of Christ's body and blood are a visual reminder of his sacrifice on our behalf. Just as uh, four-way stop signs urge us to look in all directions, the Lord's Supper today admonishes us to see the eternal significance of this special meal and look inward, outward, forward, and backward. In this moment, our physical life intersects with a spiritual road that beckons us to stop and take a good look around. Which direction do we need to look today? Let's pray. We thank your dear Heavenly Father that you promise to hear our prayers and to nourish us with the body and the blood of our Savior, your Son. Help us to prepare our hearts as we prepare to partake of the body and the blood of our Savior. While we are not worthy to gather up even the crumbs under your table, yet you stoop down to save a wretch like me, I'm grateful. Remembrance of your sacrifice. We offer our prayers in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. When Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room for the Passover meal, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Eat ye of it. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, Jesus took it and 
giving thanks, passed it among them, saying, This is the This is my blood poured out in remission of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings same the words are different we just sang the tune all people that on earth do dwell sing to the lord with cheerful voice all people that on earth do dwell sing to the lord with cheerful voice in with mirth for us this morning. It's time for you, brother. We'll try it again, see what happens, because I'm I still keep trying. So. Well, God, please forgive me for praying this selfish prayer. I just want you to know. 
know how much I really care. And I want all the bells up in heaven start to ring. Cause you know how I love to sing. When I'm standing up in church and singing Amazing Grace, I can almost see your body. I can almost see your face. When I look into the crowd and see the joy that it brings, well, you know how I love to sing. You know, God, I've done so little to show my love for you. So I'll put it in a song and let you know it's true. Then someday up in heaven, a lost soul it may bring. Cause you know how I love to sing. That when they call me away, that day will be so grand to sit next to you and maybe hold your hand. Then just let all the bells up in heaven start to ring. Cause you know how I love to sing. Yes, you know how I love to sing. Thank you. Scripture is uh, 22nd chapter of Matthew, verses 23 through 33. That same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. Same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Amen. Thank you, Brother Wayne. Good morning. Amen. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, I think I'm going to have to stand still today for a couple of reasons, but looks like my battery's about shot here. And I'll, I'll try to behave, try to be still. 
Holy Ghost doesn't hardly let me be still sometimes. Oh, how are you, church? Amen. Leroy, that was awesome. Thank you for that song. When Leroy sings, you can tell he puts everything in it. That's the way it's supposed to be. We give our all to God no matter what. This section of scripture is uh, one of the scriptures that I was puzzled about for a long, long time. But I think I finally got an understanding of it to some degree. (laughs) You know, first of all, it talks about the Sadducees. Earlier, we saw that the Pharisees were addressing him, Jesus, and giving him a hard way to go. Well, they left. They got their feelings hurt, and they packed their toys, and they went home. Well, now the Sadducees, the other religious leaders group, have come and to take over. And between the two of them, they think, surely we can, you know, put him in his place. Well, it doesn't work out too good for him. But these Sadducees, and you know, they're sad, you see. That's, uh, and it's because they don't believe in much of anything. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in the resurrection. And so that's why they're sad, you see. And uh, uh, here it says they believe there, who say there is no resurrection. And they came to Jesus with a question. They thought this question would surely trip him up, you know. Nobody could have an answer for this question because there is no answer for this question. Well, that's what they thought. But Jesus, as always, reveals the true meaning of what's behind. And their question about this marriage of a man and his wife and the commitment that is made that when a brother dies, then... Your job as the brother is to take his wife as yours and to give her a child that is named after and in place of your brother so that his uh, lineage does not stop, so that he can continue on his family and you still have your family separate from that. Now, folks, if you think that When somebody was looking at a girl to marry her brother, didn't say, "Uh uh-uh, not her. (laughs) Think again. (laughs) And girls were probably always looking for a family that had more than one guy in it, just in case. But the whole point of all of this was so that marriage in its fullest could be realized. The purpose behind the marriage is so that offspring can come into being. God has, from the beginning, told mankind to plenish or replenish the earth. And the way that we do that is through marriage and childbearing and child rearing. He doesn't just want us to have kids. He wants us to have kids that live for him. He wants children that honor him, honor their parents, 
By honoring your parents, you are honoring God. And so here is this question that is given, which is in a sense very ridiculous and in and of itself. But these Sadducees think, well, surely he can't give an answer to this. These seven brothers... And the oldest one got married and he died before she had a chance to have a child. So the brother, the next brother takes over and he dies before she has a chance to conceive a child. And all the way through to the seventh brother and finally he dies and no child ever comes of this marriage situation. And finally, the woman died too. Now their question is, well, in the resurrection, which they don't believe in, okay, so they're making these hypothetical questions. In the resurrection then, whose wife will she be? Because they were all married to her. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, who was that actress that got married 11 times? Yeah, Liz Taylor. So, yeah, boy. She probably heard this question a time or two. Uh, (laughs) But here's the thing. Jesus gives them the truth. First thing he says, you are in error. (laughs) You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, folks, these these are the religious doctors of the day. They have their PhDs in Bible, and he's telling them, you don't know them. You don't know what the scriptures say. Well, you know, just because you have letters and initials after your name doesn't mean you understand anything. It just means you were able to pass a course and pass a test and get your certification. In fact, many colleges today, when people graduate from the college, they know less than they did before they went to college. They seem to suck the sense right out of them. Well, these people, I'm sure were offended right off the bat because of this very first thing he said. You're in error. (laughs) Why? Because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. And he continues on at the resurrection. Now here, they don't believe in resurrection, but they ask about specifically about resurrection. And Jesus states this as a fact, okay? He doesn't state it as a possibility. He states it as a fact. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Angels are not married. Angels do not have a a, a sexual appearance. They're neither male nor female. They're mostly spirit beings. And so when we go to heaven, he says, you won't be married to one another the way you are here. The purpose of marriage here is reproduction. There will be no need for reproduction in heaven. Not only that, but who is the bride of Christ? You are, I am, we are the bride of Christ. So 
we're already going to be committed in a marriage, right? When we go to be with the Lord, we're going to be in a marriage to him. So why would we need to be married outside of that? There is no need for it. And in heaven, like I said, there is no procreation. There's no need to bring children into that environment because everything will be perfect already as it is. And so he tells them, but about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read, there's another gouge, what God said to you? I am the God, not I was or I will be, I am the God of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. There is a God of the dead. He has a different name. (laughs) He is the prince of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of the pit, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, that old dragon. But God is not anything like him. He's exactly the opposite. God gives life. A marriage has an element of life to it. It's life-giving. First of all, in marriage, the two become one. You are combined together in such a way that you don't feel complete without that person. Why do you think people feel such a loss when they lose their spouse? It's like losing half of you. Sometimes even more than half. <laughs> because sometimes one of the, one of the uh, people in the marriage does a lot more than the other one. <laughs> and so when that one's gone, they're really missed. But there's also the life that comes through the natural procreation cycle. We are able to be used by God to bring more life into this world. And the Bible says that every child is a gift of God. Now, the devil tries to stop that. The devil's trying his best to stop the family from becoming the two, becoming one. He's trying to stop procreation. Why do you think abortion is such a big thing in our world today? Why do you think homosexuality is such a big thing in our world today? There's no procreation. You know, in America today, we do not have enough children being born to replenish the number of people that are dying off. That's one of the reasons that our government uses as a reason to bring all these immigrants in. They're building America back up. But that's not, that's not God's way. That's man's way. We have gotten to the point to where people no longer want the responsibility of marriage. So they live together. People don't want the responsibility of raising children. So they don't have children. And if they accidentally get pregnant, they do something about it. Usually... They don't have the responsibility of giving birth to that child and finding someone who does want it. 
They just get rid of it. You know, at the core of this message is the idea, not just of resurrection, but of marriage itself, the sanctity of marriage. In a sense, they're equating marriage with resurrection. How many people, when they got married, it was like they became a new person? It was like because they're so happy in their marriage that they have feel like they've been resurrected to a new life. Well, in a sense, they have because no longer are you just a lone person by yourself. Now there's two of you as one. So in a sense, you have new life in that joining together. And then if you bring children into this world, it's another blessing. It's another blessing from God. But so many children that are being born are not being taught about Jesus Christ. They're not being taught about the word of God. And if you tried to talk to them about resurrection, they would have no clue what you're talking about. Nor would their parents, by the way. (laughs) The devil tries his best to trip people up. And one of the ways that he's doing that today is by keeping people either from marriage in the first place, or if they get married, they get married in a situation to where it's not godly. And even people who do marry in a godly way, they decide they're not going to have children and they're not going to continue the things that God wants done. You know, I understand that there's economics and all that involved and that it's hard to raise kids today. But have any of you ever heard your parents or your grandparents talk about how hard it was to raise their children? And their... Yeah, so it's never been easy, has it? You know why? Because there's really no book on how to raise a child right. <laughs> The Bible's the closest thing we have to a book on how to raise a child correctly. But it doesn't say, in case they decide to leave home, you do this. It doesn't say things like that. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) made a noise. Sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, you know, we have to... We have to make a commitment. When we make a commitment to Christ first, first and foremost, people who are not in Christ should not be contemplating marriage because they don't know love. They may know concern. They may know care for one another, but they don't truly know love because God is love. And when people get married, they should already be confident in their selves and their own faith and walk with God so that when they get married they're not looking for that other partner to make them happy to make them complete 
That doesn't work, folks. There's only one way to find joy and completeness, and that's in Christ. In Christ alone. If you are looking outside of Christ for something to make you happy, for something or someone to make your life better, you're looking in the wrong place. You're deceived, and the devil's got a grip on you. You need to get him off your back and heal your relationship with Christ because Christ is the only way to find wholeness. And once we know that, once we know that joy in Christ and then we meet someone else that has that joy in Christ and they're already somewhat mature in their faith and in their walk with God, then the two can join together and have a much better life together, serving God together. And it'll be much easier to raise your children together for God. I can't tell you the number of times when some young couple comes to me and wants to get married, and when I start asking them, well, where do you go to church? Oh, we don't go to church. When I was little, we used to go over here, over there. Okay, well, what are you going to do with your children when they get old enough to go to church? One says, oh, we'll take them over here. Another one says, no, we'll take them over there. <laughs> and I say, okay, you better work this out because it's going to happen. You need to be prepared. You need to have a plan. Who, who's going to be the breadwinner? Who's, who's going to make the living? Who's going to watch the children? You know, you get down to asking all these questions, and they haven't thought the first thought about any of it. All they thought about is, well, I'm in love. <laughs> But they have no clue of what life is going to hit them with. And as I start to explain these things to some of them, some of them are like, uh, I think we're going someplace else to get married. <laughs> have at it. <laughs> Justice of the peace. <laughs> but God created the family. He made Adam and Eve. And he gave them the ability to plenish the earth, to love one another. And you know, in a sense, Adam loved Eve so much that even though she did wrong, he was willing to do it with her so she didn't have to suffer alone. Think about that. <laughs> Marriage is a sacred thing. But here and now, in this life, is the place for marriage to someone else. After this life, our marriage is to Christ. And our happiness and our joy and our peace always comes from him. And it will continue and even increase when we leave this life and go to be with the Lord. And you thought I was going to talk about resurrection. <laughs> Brother Bob, come on up. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 361. Only trust him. Let's stand.
From every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. For Jesus shed His precious blood, fetch blessings to bestow. Plunge down into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you into